0: Our scripture reading today comes from Psalms 145, 3 through 9. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to the other, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud all the righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. This is the word of the Lord. good morning. This is a unique kind of joy for me this morning, Uh, because not only am I a senior pastor at River City Church, but also I was a part of Antioch. Our family was while I was in seminary from 2011 to 2014, and I did a lot of my internships under Pastor Andy before going to River City Church. And so it's a joy to be here with two churches that I care about so much and to worship with you. So Antioch, thank you for welcoming us here this morning. And uh, it's it really is a privilege to be here. Um, I should introduce myself. My name is Jeremy Adelman, and I am the senior pastor at River City, which is a replant in northeast Minneapolis, which means that it's kind of like um, church planting, but we're doing it on the foundation of an existing church. So some call it redemptive church planting in some ways. Uh, and we just launched in March, as Nate said, in the Ukrainian Event Center, which is also where Antioch started. So a lot of fun things there for us to be together and worshiping, so... Uh, We're going to turn to Psalm 145. Nate just read it so wonderfully for us. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open there. I'd like to pray for us briefly before we turn to God's word. And then I'm going to lead us in just a short reflection on Psalm 145 before we hear some testimonies of God's faithfulness this morning. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for the gift it is to us as your people. Each week we have the privilege of opening it together to hear it read aloud. And we trust that your spirit uses those words to change us and transform us. What I say has no power. Your word has power. And so, gotta pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes that we would behold the wondrous things that are found here in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love hearing stories of God's faithfulness. I love hearing stories of initial faith when people come alive for the first time. To Jesus, and also stories of ongoing faithfulness where God shows up in the everyday stuff of life. We had a baptism service recently at River City Church, and I know going into it, because I've done them before, that I'm going to be impacted by these stories, but yet I can never truly prepare myself for the way that it's going to impact me. Each time I hear these stories of God's faithfulness, I am just amazed at what God does in people's lives. What a what a privilege it is to hear these stories. Today, we're actually going to get to hear some of these stories of God's faithfulness. And my goal right now is to help us answer the question, why do we do this? From Psalm 145, we'll begin in Psalm 145, and then we'll kind of go out from there. And I'm wondering if you noticed when Nate was reading the repetition that there was, even in those few short verses that he read, as God calls people to share about what he has done in the world, his might and his goodness. In Psalm, or in verse 4, for example, look with me, he says that one generation shall commend his works to another and shall declare his mighty acts. Commending God's works means that we talk about them with awe and wonder and applause. The second half of the verse uses the verb declare, which means to announce or to proclaim or to tell about God's mighty acts. We pass faith to the next generation when we recall the record of what God has done. And that can be big things, and it can be small things. Sometimes it's the parting of the Red Sea, and sometimes it is simply helping us to grow in contentment with our station in life. The idea is then repeated again in verse 6. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Again, here the verbs are speaking, declaring, proclaiming, telling. And the subject matter of that proclaiming are God's deeds and His greatness. This basic formula in Psalm 145, we see it repeated throughout the psalm and throughout the scriptures. And it works like this God is faithful. He shows himself faithful. He is mighty. He is glorious. He parts the Red Sea. He provides for them in the wilderness. He heals of disease. And then God's people see God's faithfulness. So God is faithful, God's people see his faithfulness, and then God's people tell of his faithfulness. This is on repeat. This is what we're called to do in life. And so the primary message of the sermon for us this morning is that God's people tell stories of God's faithfulness because it is good for our soul. It's good for us. We're going to have people share these testimonies, and here's what we believe. It is good for you. To hear them as they talk about them. These stories are like vitamins for the soul. So, for the rest of the sermon, I'm gonna give you three ways that telling these stories and hearing them is good for you. Three ways are praise, protection, and peace. They all start with P in order to help you remember praise, protection, peace. Uh, I was talking with someone earlier this week that church members should have like a support group, like a recovery group for all the alliterations you get from pastors over the years. But I'm, I'm unapologetic about the alliteration this morning. I want you to remember them. Praise, protection, peace. And the reason is because when you hear testimonies in the future, as people share this morning, as you hear them in the future, I want these three things to come to mind. These are three ways that God helps us in our lives through other people's testimonies. Praise, protection, peace. Now, the first is praise. The Psalms here are really—they're very intentionally and um, they're, they're very intentionally curated and organized in a particular way. This collection of songs and poems, and it's extremely clear at the end of the Psalms how that happens. Psalm 145 is an appeal to talk about what God has done, and then Psalms 146 through 150 are a call to praise we see that in verse 1 of Psalm 146, there's this phrase, praise the Lord. And that exact same phrase is repeated in the last verse of Psalm 146, praise the Lord. It's also true for Psalms 147 through 150, each one begins and ends with that phrase, praise the Lord. In Hebrew, this is a combination of two words, Hallelujah, which means praise, and yah, which is short for Yahweh, which is God's name. When you hear the word hallelujah, think praise God. That's what it means. We just got done singing a song, Christ, our hope in life and death, and we sing this over and over. Oh, sing hallelujah. When you sing that word, what we're saying is praise the Lord. And that's the response we get in Psalms 146 through 150 to declaring God's mighty deeds in 145, his acts of mercy, his gracious and steadfast love. It is to praise him. I have a friend who was very successful by the world standards. He was tall, good-looking, smart, did well in business, all those sorts of things, but yet he felt empty. And so he started searching for meaning in life, and he explored all these different world religions, and eventually he took a deeper look at Christianity in particular. As he read the Bible and explored faith, he had this crystallizing moment in the shower one day where he just realized Jesus is real. The Christian message is True. And he submitted himself to faith and following Jesus. He and I ended up on the phone not too long after that. And he was asking about baptism and if if he should get baptized and what that would mean. And around the same time, his wife was reading the Chronicles of Narnia to her kids. She's observing what's happening in her husband. She's reading the Chronicles of Narnia. And they read the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And she gets to the end and she says to herself, if Jesus is anything like this Aslan character I'm reading about, and I want to know him. And so then she read Mere Christianity, also by C.S. Lewis. She got about halfway through, and it became clear to her this is true. Jesus is real. God loves her. Jesus died for her. And so she got down on her knees at her bedside, and she also put her faith in Jesus. And they both called to tell me about what happened. And they got baptized in their church. And the reason that I tell these stories, or this particular story, is because the response is praise. You may have even felt it as I was sharing the story. Praise wells up within us. When he trusted in Jesus, praise was his response. When his wife also trusted in Jesus, both of them responded in praise. When they called to tell me, praise erupted in my heart. When they stood before their church and got baptized, their, their whole church got to join in in praise. Praise is the response to hearing stories of God's faithfulness. That's what we want for you today, that you would experience praise as a result of what you hear this morning. The second way that God's, or these stories of God's faithfulness are good for us is because they protect us. They keep us from forgetting about God and what he has done. In verse 4 of Psalm 145, the call is for one generation to tell the next generation about the works that God has done. And in the most literal sense, this is about parents and grandparents telling their children and their grandchildren about all that God has done. There's a lot of the next generation in this room right now, What a privilege it is for us to tell them about all that God has done. And in a more kind of general, more communal and spiritual sense, this is also about all of those who have been walking with God for many years, telling all those who are new to faith about who God is and what God has done. And this is repeated several times throughout the Bible. Psalm 71, verse 18, for example, the psalmist here is saying that even to old age and gray hairs, they're going to take every opportunity that they can to proclaim God's might to another generation. It's a privilege. This psalmist sees it as a privilege to tell others about God's faithfulness. You're never too young to start talking about God's faithfulness, and you are never too old to stop. In the warning, the warning comes the opposite in Psalm 78. So there's an affirmation of praise, Psalm 71, and there's a warning if we don't in Psalm 78. The danger of not communicating to the next generation is that the result will be spiritual collapse within the community and the culture. And the warning of Psalm 78 is experienced by Israel at the beginning of Judges in chapter 2, verse 10. It says, And all that generation were gathered to their fathers. That's the generation of Joshua. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. The result is they rejected God. And then the book of Judges gives us this picture of the spiritual collapse that Psalm 78 warns us about. And here's what I want you to see. This repeated command in the Bible to tell the next generation about what God has done, as seen in Psalm 145 and Psalm 71, the result is to protect us. Because when the command is neglected, then people forget about God. They do whatever they want. It leads to distress and decline and spiritual collapse, as seen in Psalm 78 and Judges 2. Professor and theologian Don Carson has provided a prophetic warning in this regard when he said that if the gospel is believed in the first generation and not proclaimed and celebrated continually, then the gospel will be assumed in the next generation. And then all sorts of secondary entailments, he says, become more important. And entailments is just secondary beliefs or secondary issues. When you are more excited about secondary issues than the gospel, Issues like abortion, pornography, homeschooling, gender roles, economic justice, defending a particular Bible translation, the agenda of a political party, and so on. These are not unimportant, but when they become primary and the gospel is assumed, then by the third generation, the gospel is lost. And these entailments have now become fully entrenched as our new gods, and we will look to them for fulfillment and hope. This progression can be observed in all sorts of Christian traditions throughout history. The gospel being believed in the first generation, assumed in the second, and lost by the third. That's what happens in the book of Judges. Moses believed in the first generation. Joshua's generation assumed the message. And this new generation that rises up in Judges has lost their understanding of who God is and what he has done. We tell stories of God's faithfulness through the scriptures and through the stories of our lives, through the lens of the gospel, because it protects us and it keeps us from falling away from God, it removes faith in the next generation. The third result is peace. And for this, we go to the New Testament. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The apostle Paul here encourages his readers that in response to their anxiety, he he knows it comes. People have it. I experience it. Many people in this room will experience anxiety at different points. He assumes it's a reality for these people. He's saying in response to it, there's something that they can do. They don't have to submit to it as if they have no agency. They can respond with prayer and with supplication. They can ask God for help. He's saying, let God know about your anxieties. Ask him for help with whatever's creating these anxieties. And then he says this phrase that I want to key on, with thanksgiving. In response to your anxiety, pray, ask God for help, and do it With thanksgiving. There have been a lot of studies recently about the connection between gratitude and improved health. Robert Emmons, who is perhaps the world's leading scientific expert on gratitude, says that there are two components to gratitude. First, gratitude is acknowledging that there's goodness in the world. There's something out there that we can point to. There's goodness there. And the second thing he says is that that goodness we observe has come from somewhere outside of us. And when we share stories of God's faithfulness, that's what's happening. We're looking at this good thing that God has done and we're acknowledging that God has done it. Giving thanks for the ways that God has been faithful to us invites others also into that thankfulness when we share it out loud. And the result, Paul says in verse 7, is that God's supernatural peace that is beyond our comprehension will guard us in Christ Jesus. And humans, we have a tendency to respond in two different ways, two extremes in our pursuit of peace. The first, on the one hand, we try to deny pain in the world, suppressing the very real difficulties that are around us. We know that life is filled with trials and difficulties. God never promised that life in Christ would mean life without pain or without challenge. In fact, it's often in our deepest need that God shows himself to be most faithful So we're not advocating for happy, clappy Christianity that's ignorant of pain in the world. We're talking about giving thanks to God when he shows up in the midst of pain. The other extreme is to neglect praise. If on the one hand it is to be ignorant of pain, on the other hand it's to neglect praise, we can become so consumed by our pain that we forget to see the opportunities for praise. We become blinded by what is deficient in life failing to see what we can be thankful for. And the cross of Jesus Christ does not allow us to move toward either of those extremes because the cross does not deny the pain and suffering of the world. It is where Jesus came to overcome sin and death. At the cross, we must confront our own idolatry and our own sinfulness. Our rejection of God is why Jesus had to experience the pain of the cross. And the cross also does not let us neglect praise and thanksgiving, Because of it, because of Jesus on the cross, we always have a reason for hope. At River City, we sometimes talk about creating a gospel culture of need with expectancy, which is a phrase we got from pastor and author Ray Ortland. The gospel means acknowledging our need and also having the confidence that God will always meet that need in himself because he's already met our deepest need through Christ on the cross. This is the sort of peace that God gives us in response to our praise and our thankfulness. And here's how I'm going to end this little mini sermon right now. I want to pray for us all. In particular, I'm going to pray that as we hear the testimonies, that we will actually respond, we'll receive the benefits I just talked about. That because of the testimonies, it will result in praise, protection, and peace for us. Even on your way home today, I would encourage you to consciously ask yourself, which of these three did the testimonies produce in you? How were you impacted by what you heard? And so let me pray this for us, asking God to bring these things about by the power of his spirit. Father, we thank you that we always have a reason for hope. And the foundation of that is Jesus. We thank you that in response to our need, we can trust that you will meet our deepest needs in him. And now here in a moment, as we hear from four different people who over the last year have seen you show up in the everyday stuff of life, who experienced your ongoing faithfulness in tangible ways, God, I pray that you would give them courage and strength by your spirit as they share, as they declare your mighty acts, as they do what we see Psalm, the psalmist in 145 doing himself, that we declare what you have done. And in response, God, here as a church, River City Church and Antioch Community Church, that together we would respond, that our hearts would be filled with praise, God, that it would protect us, that it would keep us faithful. And Lord, that we would receive your peace, a supernatural peace that surpasses understanding that you would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so be honored as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.